This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hi, I'm Jim Fannin. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. This is a special holiday show, and I've got my sidekick and co-host, Seth Hurd. Hey, Seth. Hello, and we're also joined by radio host and business owner Cece today as we unpack what the zone looks like and how you can improve your life and improve the lives of people around you. Well, I'm ready to just jump in and ask Jim, some really hard questions because this is going to be a great show. I, I just what? can't wait. I'm, I'm getting hard questions already. Come on. <laughs> it's, it's a holiday show. Already hard questions. You know, Cece, welcome to the Jim Fannin show. And as usual, uh, Seth, and, and by the way, Seth had a birthday. I think he's 27 years old now. <laughs> he and, wishes. Uh, so happy birthday to you. Uh, that was uh, a few weeks back. But anyway, Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. And um, let's talk about thankfulness. Uh, it is appropriate. Uh, are you aware that you can say thanks in 465 languages? Uh, so thanks. You can say that. that that's obviously uh, in English. Uh, talk. That's Danish. Uh, gracias. Uh, Spanish. Merci. Uh, Danka, little German, mahalo, uh, little Hawaiian, uh, arigato, uh, Japanese. Uh, these are all words that translate into thanks. But the, the question of the day is, are you really thankful? Are you truly thankful? And are you thankful for the right reasons? And is your thankfulness woven into the multicolored fabric of your overall happiness? That's the question at hand. And so one of the ways to stay in that thankful space is what we talk about every single week here. And that is what's called the zone. The zone is a blueprint for your life. Before we get into some meat of the topic here, can you just go ahead and you know help us unpack this? Because this is a good reminder every single week of that calm, purposeful state that you need to be in to succeed in each arena of your life. Well, first of all, Seth, you, you're absolutely right. Nothing great happens without a blueprint. Uh, that's the name, obviously, of my, of my new book, but nothing built successfully. Uh, and that includes a home, a house, a building, uh, but also reinvention of your own self. Uh, you need a blueprint. You need a map that keeps you on track. And, and that's how you, this blueprint is going to help you really manifest into your genuine, authentic best self. And by being on this show, 
we know that you want more than you have. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on the show. And I think every client I've had, they want more, more money, uh, more uh, happiness in their life, better relationships, but you need a blueprint. And I've also realized over five decades that you need the right attitude to manifest that blueprint. And I discovered in 1974, Cece and Seth, that uh, there's five elements that really make up your overall uh, mindset, your overall attitude. Self-discipline, that's a major part of a blueprint. That's vision, uh, strategy, tactics, a map, if you will, of something that you want in your life. But you also need to have equal levels of concentration, and that's putting blinders on and focusing only on what you want as opposed to what you don't want. But you need optimism. You need confidence that the blueprint is accurate. It works for me. And it's going to lead me to being my genuine, authentic best self. But especially today and in our time, we need relaxation and enjoyment. And those are the uh, fourth and fifth intangibles that make up the score system. So to unpack this, if you want to be your genuine, authentic best self, you need a blueprint. And then you need to manage your attitude, self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation on a daily basis to turn that into reality. And that's really what the show is all about. And you know what, Jim, um, I'm glad you broke that down because, you know, I have found that concentration for me on multiple levels can just be interrupted and getting back to my concentration is really hard, especially being a parent, a business owner, you know, and having to juggle so many things in life. You know, can you just go into, you know, how to stay on concentration uh, on your concentration levels? Because I do believe that my blueprint in the past has been costly because of that. So can you just go in uh, and give me a few steps that can help me with with concentration? Well, Cece, that's a great question. I, I can take the just the element of juggling a tennis ball with one hand and you toss it up in the air and and you catch it, and you toss it up in the air and catch it. And every, everybody listening has done that and can do that. that. That's pretty easy. The cool thing about tossing the ball up in the air, while it's in the air, you really don't have any thought about future or past. So that's a little micro zone state. But now you add another ball. I, I've got two balls in one hand, and I'm trying to throw one up, catch it. as a, Before I catch the first ball, I've got to throw the second ball up. Now that, that's going to take a little more <laughs> focus. And then you add the third ball. So I can't do that with one hand. Now I need to have two hands and then now juggling three balls. That's exactly how And then there's a lot of people that can juggle three. Now I add four and add five, add six. And if you can do that, uh, you're in Barnum and Bailey <laughs> Circus, you know, <laughs> and you're awesome. And, and then some of us out there feel like we're juggling on a unicycle, <laughs> trying to balance while we're doing it. And we're juggling flaming torches. So <laughs> exactly. uh, that's when you get into uh, the tail wagging the dog. So Cece, to answer your question, less is definitely more. Mm-hmm. And you got to ask yourself, what if I could eliminate 25% of my thoughts that really don't serve me well? Thoughts of being a victim, being a judge, uh, thoughts where I'm not thankful. Um, if I could eliminate those thoughts 25% of my thoughts, average person has about 2,000. 
getting rid of 500 thoughts you have every single day. Now you can have some meditation. You can uh, replenish yourself by having no thoughts during certain aspects of your day. But you can also hold some thoughts longer so that now you can really get some traction in turning your blueprint into reality. So less is more. That's the mode of a champion. I wish I could hold my thought to not eat that cupcake, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is Thanksgiving. So, uh, you know, everybody says it's Thanksgiving. Have a biscuit, have a cupcake, have some more dressing. I get that, but uh, we get ambushed all the time uh, by outside uh, forces, some that we can control, some they just come out of nowhere. Uh, and with social media being so prevalent in everybody's life, CC, it's really easy to get distracted and get knocked off your blueprint. So uh, less is more. Let's get into you know maybe how heavy a couple of those balls can be because I'm thinking about as <laughs> we're getting into thankfulness and you know everybody's tossing balls in the air. You know, I, I've had friends. You mean that, the bowling ball, the bowling ball thing, because you know I I I've, can do a tennis ball, but three bowling I've been balls. Through that. I've been through that. Yeah, that's tough. I've had friends that have brought into companies, right? Uh, that like, well, you're here to make sure all these people don't lose their job. Or you know, thinking about a different situation where you really have to make a, a big life adjustment. You think about a couple that's got a new baby going back to work on no sleep and realizing that you're not going to sleep for six months and all those responsibilities are still there. And oh, yeah, by the way, you still got to like buy groceries or there's not going to be any food. <laughs> and my daughter's going Great through question. that. You know, I've got a new grandson and. And she's not working right now. Obviously, she's home with the baby, but she's going through that. When do I go back to work and what do I need to do? And and I've got this human in my house that was never there before that needs my attention. So those bowling balls, does that mean you're juggling less balls? If we're using that analogy? Are we really using the balls analogy here, guys? I I, I think, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yes, Cece, let's change the subject from balls. No, it's a great analogy, and I need an answer to it really quick. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think, again, if you segregate your life into separate individual containers of thought, we call them life arenas on this show, and don't put all your happy eggs in one big bullion base, whereas one thing goes bad, everything else is bad. And segregating your life and being thankful for the positives in each of those segments, uh, you're going to have a more manageable life and I, I think a more happy life. So let's talk about this segregation of the different parts of your life. First of all, you're definitely more than a businesswoman, Cece. You're more than a business owner. Uh, Seth, you're more than a businessman. You're much more than that. Uh, each of you are a son or, or a daughter. Uh, Cece, I, I believe you're a sister. Seth, you're, you're a brother. Yep. Oh, yeah. Five brothers. Uh, five brothers. Oh, my goodness. So, so that's a big family. Uh, I'm an only child, so you know I, I really don't have that arena, but I can appreciate uh, having a lot of siblings. Uh, but you, each of you have your own personal finance, your own personal bank account. Money comes in, bills go out. Hopefully, I got a little bit left over. <laughs> and uh, so you, we all have our personal finance. That's a separate standalone arena. It needs its own vision. It needs its own goals. It needs its own strategy. 
And there's key people, a financial advisor, your insurance guy, your CPA, but that is a standalone. And, and then we have our friends. Uh, some are great friends and some are great acquaintances. And, uh, you know, that, that's a friend's arena. Uh, we're also a son or a daughter. I, I'm still the son of James and Loma Fannin. My parents are deceased, but I still think about them every day. Uh, they're so, still so a part of my life. I don't mean to cut you off. So are you saying that uh, our, our children or our significant others, those also get their own arena, correct? Because uh, those that could by itself consume my day, just those two, you know, people there. So are those getting their own arenas too, or is that? Yeah, like- I, absolutely. And I, and I, again, I, I can talk about my daughter cause you know, she, she has a new child, a first child, my, my, my first uh, grandchild. Uh, she spent, she's breastfeeding. So she spent an inordinate amount of time with my grandson. That's obvious, but she's more than a mom. You know, she's got to pay attention to her husband, my, my son-in-law, and make sure that relationship still has the spark and the passion. It can't be, well, we got a kid now, everything into that kid arena. And I see a lot of families have done that, and I understand it. I, you know, I, obviously, I've got kids, but if you put all of your happy eggs in one basket, you're setting yourself up for some Serious. I am so glad. I am so glad you're you're going there, uh, Jim. Because you know, having a child in this day and age, you know, with just the overwhelming issues they're going to have, and and if they're a little, you know, five year old or above, and and they're in preschool or kindergarten, you know, they need a lot of your time. Oh, they're demanding. They're very demanding, and not only that, your husband needs a lot of your time. And what what about me? (laughs) Exactly. What about me? So what I'm hearing from a lot of my friends that have, uh, you know, either a husband or a significant other that have children, finding that time for just the relationship and what it meant to be together on a more, you know, uh, regular basis. But now your children have taken that spot or that time. And now you're literally juggling how do we get to have that moment together? And I'm hearing that across the board with a lot of my friends. How do I do that and, and, and give my husband or my significant other time and, and also give my child what they need from me? Because, you know, you, a lot of women are asking that question. I'm hoping you can answer that for them today. Well, I can. You know, Cece, I've got a client who uh, is a realtor. Uh, she is a single uh, mom. Uh, she's uh, divorced, has three kids, and she's juggling uh, her career. She chose real estate, not just for the money, but it gives her some flexibility. But around four o'clock when school's out, uh, she's not a realtor anymore, and she is running uh, one kid to uh, dance and another kid to soccer uh, another kid's sick and not feeling like going anywhere, and she's schlepping the sick kid in the backseat of her car. And and then she's got a showing. She's got to get the kids fed, and then she's got to show a house at 8.30. So she needs somebody to watch her kids just for a few minutes. And she's told me many, many, many days, the tail's wagging the dog. And, and, and my advice to her uh, or anyone that's going through this where you just got so much going on and you have way too many thoughts, um, 
segregate your mind into these arenas. So I here's what I recommend. Just on a sheet of paper, make some circles, make them triangles, make them squares. It's irrelevant. Uh, you have your own self. So, so your I, self I just, arena, Cece. I mean, and how many people put yourself last? Exactly. Because you're giving way too much to but, other. But, but people. I'm trying to break this down for just myself. So, are you saying that I can actually, you know, put aside and don't break it? It, 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 that arena for my husband and then put aside and don't break that arena for my child and just make sure that I 100% follow that rule. Is that what you're saying? Because, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to kind of uh, negotiate with myself on which one's going to get more. It's just I do what needs to be done. Well, yeah, unfortunately, we always grease the squeaky wheel, you know, so you, if you got a sick kid, it's all hands exactly. on deck. Exactly. And, you know, and you're late for work and, you know, you got to leave early, your kid's sick. And and I understand that. But I think if you can put a little blueprint, that's that's what the book is all about. But you do your own blueprint right now. And I would go over it and I, I'd pick a, a weekend afternoon or evening. Uh, Sunday is a great time. That's when I do it personally. And, and most of my clients do it. Just walk through all the arenas of your life. Uh, self. Am I giving myself enough personal alone time, you know, where I can meditate and I can take a yoga class and maybe I need a massage and uh, or or maybe I can read a book. Am I being my own best friend? And I'd say a lot of especially this time of year, the answer would be yeah, not really, you know, not really. But we need to do that. Then you look at your relationship. Does it have a, a vision? Is it a shared vision? Are there really concrete goals? I mean, one goal could be, and I, I just helped a, a, a father and a husband. I said, are you a great listener? And, and he, it stopped him in his tracks. And he goes, no, I, I talk well, over my wife all the time. <laughs> I go, wow. Well, I've been known to not listen on certain occasions, depending on how mad I am at the person. Well, that's another <laughs> subject. And we, we can get into, you know, getting pissed let's off. Let's not get into mad. that. No, let's no, not we, get we, into that. No, we're going to go there, Cece. <laughs> I want to know the root of your anger. I want to know what, what ticks you off. But, you know, I, I think if you walk through mentally and on paper, Every facet of your life, you're a friend, you're a brother or sister, you got your own money, you got your own relationships. If you're a student right now, whether you're going back to school to get a master's or you're in school, you got academics, that's a separate arena. Uh, you're a son or a daughter. Parents could be older. You might need to be coaching them now. That's a, that's a total transformation, but that's a separate arena. And then, you know, you know you're, a, you're a parent. Each of these arenas needs their own little micro blueprint. So um, the last question I'll have on this so we can get off this topic, because I could talk about relationships forever and we don't want to do that. But should my husband have his own arenas or do when does the shared come into the relationship part of the blueprint for us? Because, you know, I have, you know, what my blueprint is for my business and a few other things that I'm doing right now with my goals. But when should it be both uh, of our, our shared blueprint or, or are you saying we should have a shared blueprint and, and a, agree on it? Because that's where I, I think the gray area for some relationships are is agreeing on what that blueprint is. Well, I'm not sure you'll ever 100 percent agree, 
agree on an individual <laughs> blueprint. Cece, you need your own blueprint. Your husband needs his blueprint. And then the relationship part of your life, you do need shared vision there. I mean, shared vision brought you together. You both decided, ah, you know, let's have some kids. Let's have a family. Let's live wherever. Uh, let's you work. We both work. He used to or, take me out to dinner. Uh, what well, used to? <laughs> oh my goodness, used to. So he, he doesn't do that it's anymore. A joke. I thought you didn't want to get into this. So now you actually want to get into this. No, I'm I'm listening. <laughs> uh, lay down on the couch and let's do some therapy now with your relationship. Now each of you need your own blueprint. And then, you know, sharing that blueprint is probably a good idea. Uh, I, I would hope that you could. You got to have a blueprint on how to raise your son or daughter. And that's where a lot of uh, couples really get in trouble. Now you take care of the kid. Or if it's a step uh, son or stepdaughter, now that's your responsibility, not my responsibility. You're going to get into some serious score breakers, zone breakers. So you, you do need to have an agreement on the visions, the goals of these arenas. I mean, when you get into personal finance, all right, Cece, you got your own company, you got your own money, but there is a family pot. Maybe you file uh, your taxes jointly. Well, you, you need a blueprint on how you're filing your taxes. And this is all about communication. But if you don't have a blueprint, uh, you're now going to communicate in a haphazard, inconsistent way. And then if you get steamrolled by your spouse, uh, you'll go silent. And that's when things really start to go in the wrong way, when you don't openly confront each other in a positive way on how can one plus one equal three or more. Uh, if it equals two, you know, what's the point? You know, shared vision brought you together. But the lack of it, it's going to tear you apart. So I, I'm, I'm not really encouraging everybody to get your own blueprint. I'm screaming at you, <laughs> get your own blueprint. This is about you, and it's about your life. And again, you've got to put yourself, Arena. You got to, if you don't put it in first, uh, well, the tail now wags the dog. And you're going to wake up fatigued, tired, pissed off, angry, frustrated. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. You know, throwing a little bit of alcohol and you're going to have a crazy day. And if you can't do a great job at being you, good luck at work. Yeah. Good luck with your kids. Now, you're absolutely yeah. right. Uh, you know, let, let's come back to this awesome day today. Are you thankful for whatever you have? And, and if the answer is yes, um, you've stopped being a victim or a judge, and that's a good thing. And, um, you're not being a victim or a judge about what you don't have. And uh, money, success do not and will not make you happy. I mean, I've got people that are making seven figures, and they just come to me as new clients. They're making a ton of dough, fly private jet. Hey, what's not to be happy? They're not happy. Isn't that amazing? So why does happiness have to fluctuate? Just because the conditions, circumstance, or situations change in your life. And, and I don't think it does. And, and so what is success, Seth? And, and what is happiness? What's happiness to you? Just what makes you happy? 
Yeah, shoot from there. What makes you happy? And I tell you what makes me happy is whatever happens during the day, I get to go home to a great household, somebody who loves me a lot. And I know that I'm going to have a safe place there to be able to just unwind. I mean, that's one of the, the things that makes me happy. You know, thinking about Thanksgiving, I'm really, really happy around a very large extended family of 80 people around the Thanksgiving table. I mean, it's crazy. I'm really, really happy when I get to get out and engage. Even in your crazy, even your crazy <laughs> uncle that's going to drink too much and and uh, yell against your favorite football team. I was going to say that guy. Everybody's got one of those. By the time you get to 80 people around the table, there's probably three. There's probably three. Well, I, I think happiness is understanding that there's only one rule to having a successful life, and, and that rule is there are no rules. Yeah, but I, I there are I, no rules of being uh, successful. It's what you deem success to be, and that's how you build your blueprint. And and you know what? I'm I'm glad you said that because everybody's not happy. I mean, you can be in front of your family, and one person can bring that happiness down because they're having a bad you know day or or something didn't go right with them. You know what makes me happy is being able to have that conversation you know, with some family members and really understanding what they're going through at that time to bring them up. You mean and an I, honest well, conversation? Yeah, well, I, I've learned that through a lot of your program, uh, you know, of how to bring someone up when they're down because everybody's sense of happiness is different. And, you know, once you understand that, I think that makes your situation a lot better. And I found that, you know, everybody looks at, you know, your happiness on a on a different scale. And some may be unhappy because you're happy. Well, I've jealous. actually run into that. Yeah, I'm they're like, jealous. you know, I'm, I, it, I just need you to show me how to you used to call them score breakers. And for some reason, we're at that holiday time where you're in front of a table where everybody has opinions right now and you might not want to go there with them. OK, or or you may not want to engage in that because, you know, once you engage, now your brother's engaged. Once he's engaged, his, his wife's engaging. So now you've made a situation so much where how tell me how to engage my family members with my happiness if some of them are not as happy as I am. Well, I think first, Cece, this happens a lot and it's going to happen a lot on Thanksgiving Day and and all the way through the holidays. But we need to understand that. Everyone on this planet does have unhappy moments, and that's okay, an unhappy moment. You know, I can be in a great mood, and I get a text, and I'm like, oh, man, I, I got to go. I, I, I got to leave. What? Where are you going? I, I have to go somewhere for my, my job. And that's an unhappy moment because I was engaged, and we were going to go to the movies. I, I got to go. So everybody has unhappy moments. However. Those moments always pass. They do. And you need to trust that this is so. But how you adjust to that unhappy moment and how you adapt to the conditions and the circumstances of, of that happy moment, that's really going to dictate whether you're going to be unhappy for the day and unhappy the month and unhappy life. How do you adjust? And that's what I love about the score system is this is such real world stuff. So to, to use an example from my own life from last winter, you know, I mean, you hit that point in January in Chicago where and it is just it is cold. It is dark early. Why am I and here? You really <laughs> got to find, you know, some, some things to pick you up. Hello, Mexico. 
you know, <laughs> if you got the option. Yes, absolutely. You know, I thought about that. I, I've been living in Chicago over 40 some years and all I need is a telephone, really. Uh, all I need is a cell phone to, to handle my clients. And I've asked that in January. But why am I here? Why do I really need to be here? And um, you know what it comes down to? I love the people here. Yeah. I love the interaction with the people. And I can adapt and adjust to uh, the changing weather and, and, and the conditions. But I think even more important, you got to be happy with you. You must be your own best friend. You know, you've, you dictate your own happiness. And I think some of us get unhappy, Seth, when we have these expectations that are so lofty and we can't meet them for whatever the reasons. And now I'm unhappy. And um, it, it really starts with what you think when you're alone. What do you think when you're by yourself? And if you're replaying all the things you don't want, well, that's just going to play into you being unhappy. And if you take unhappy people around you and embrace it and put yourself in it, next thing you know, you're drug into their unhappy world. And the next thing you know, you're yelling at your television. You're a victim. You're a judge. And, um, you know, you're just not your genuine, authentic best self. And now you wake up and go, what happened? How did that happen? And it happens quickly. But if you have a blueprint that can help you if you get off track, a blueprint illuminates a pathway. And I can easily find that pathway if I've illuminated it with a blueprint. But if you don't have a blueprint on what you want to do in your life, it's easy to get off track, off road, in the woods, lost in your own thoughts. Well, you're in a pathway now that's going to spiral downward, not upward. And if you don't know where you're going, you know, I just heard a, a really interesting quote from a very, very su successful musician, one of them, you know, probably one of the hundred top musicians as far as record sales. Stuff. I always. love her stuff. And the musician got a call and said, hey, your record's number one in the country. And the response was instantly, well, can we go higher than that? And it's like, well, that's that's when all your happy eggs are in one basket. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it could be that you got down or you're not thankful because you're looking at somebody else, you're comparing, you're a judge, you're a victim. Or it could just be you actually got it and you don't know what you want. So you don't appreciate it. Right. Well, I, I think in the case of the uh, a recording artist, Real happiness is when you know that your craft, your voice, your lyrics, your rhythms, your melodies has positively influenced other people. That should make you happy, not being number one or how many records and how much money you have. Uh, what have you done to influence the people with your music? That should make an artist really happy. Because that's the whole point. You're doing a song, you're, you're writing the lyrics, and you want other people to memorialize things in their life that are happy that they can affix to your music. If I think back uh, of some music, uh, I was listening to Elton John. He was on a late night talk show, and they played a little medley of his songs, and each one of them made me happy because. It put me in a place in time when I remember being happy, listening to that song. And um, 
Yeah, it's more than the money that Elton John makes and more than the market share that his records has. Has he really changed the world with his music? I would say that he has. That should make him happy. Well, you know, I always look at the animal effect for my look, the way I look into happiness on a high level and a meaningful level, because, you know, when I used to have a cat, what drew me into my cat and what draws most pet owners into their animals is the appreciation with no holes barred. You know, you put food in front of them and they expect that from you. But just the sheer look on their face when they have that bowl of food and there's just a happiness about them that, you know, they've been fulfilled. And I feel like, you know, as a person that deals with a lot of information and children and business on a regular basis, the things that make me happy, I always look back to that animal you know, type of reaction to, you know, they love their owners, but they love them for the reasons that they have given them. Well, it's it's unbelievable, you know, bowl of food. And and if you look at their eyes and how happy they are in that moment, I think we all had that moment um, in, in whatever, you know, shape or form that we have lived in from your husband to be or fiance, get us on one knee. And that one moment of your life is changed and you're just the happiest you've ever been. And then that same person could take you to the worst state of who you are and what you feel on another moment. So, you know, I, I just believe this happiness is, is about who the person is and the blueprint has helped me get to that animal side of happiness that I try to have because it's a little more sincere. The the 92nd rule, one of the aspects of, uh, this is a program I have uh, of the 92nd rule. If you've been away from someone you care about and love at least two hours, that first 90 seconds that you see them has more impact on your relationship than hanging out with them hours and hours later. So put down your cell phone, Close the arena that you just left, possibly work or school, and walk into the house looking your significant other in the eye long enough to discern eye color. The other thing you're going to notice if you have a dog, your dog's going to come in, wag its tail. Mm-hmm. Now, your wife may not always be there, and but you need to have that full engagement. And this is where loyalty in a pet comes in. See, that dog's always going to show yeah. up at the door always wagging its tail, never violates that 90-second rule. But how many times have we walked in and not even pet the dog, not paid attention to the dog? How many times you've walked into the house on the cell phone, not paid attention to your significant other? Many times. Blow your kids off and go, (laughs) yeah, I'll, I'll hang out with you later because you've got something on your mind. If you really want to get happiness, be thankful that you have people that can be there when you get home, be thankful for that. But you have to work that. You, even though they may not come home now, go seek them out. Look them in the eye. Ask them, how was your day? But really ask it like, I want to know. And, and don't ask questions that have yes or no answer. And if your significant other is in a negative mood, then you mirror it just to go to her level or his level. So you can bring them up to a higher level. You okay, baby? You all right? What's going on? Now I can connect and walk her up to a, a place of positivity. But don't take that for granted. Don't, don't take that 90-second moment when you come home for granted. 
And that's going to bolster your own personal happiness. And if you tend to say immediately, oh, man, well, sometimes I get a call, I can't get off, or I'm talking to somebody at work, I'm talking to a relative as I'm walking in. You've coached some of the most in-demand business people in the world, some of the people with the most demanding jobs in the business world, and they adhere to this rule. They don't walk in on their phone. Well, you know what's even better? I, I know when my clients get this, when I'm talking to them on the phone and they cut me off and go, hey, I got to go, man, 90 second rule. I, I, I just pulled out my driveway. They cut me off and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, you know, what am I going to say? I get it. Talk to you later because they do not want to violate the 90 second rule. I've got a client right now has not violated that, that aspect of the 90 second rule in the last four years, it's changed his marriage, changed his relationship with his kids. And Cece, back to your point, he's making more money. He's literally juggling the arenas of his life. But you know why he can do it? He's got a blueprint. Yeah, but when you talk about he has a blueprint. Yeah, when you talk about violating the 90 second rule, uh, which is in your 90 second rule program that you had out in the uh, I, I was in Florida and having dinner with a friend and the table next to me, it was just so profound what I saw. And there were two little kids had to be ages between five and four. And the mother and father was sitting there having a glass of wine and both children were on iPads at the table having dinner. And what it taught me was we're in a different time in this world where our children are being given a device where you don't have to interact with the child. And that, that just drew me to a point of, you know, what's going on? Because even with my child, you know, I've always tried to make sure that the conversations were real and that we were in front of each other. But Jim, if I can ask you, you know, what's the best way for us with a smaller child? Is that good? And, and I'm not trying to be controversial here, but is it good at the dinner table to have your children with, you know, devices instead of having showing them how to have a family conversation together that's real? Well, I, I think this is one of the reasons that the family fabric has eroded in the last 20 years. You can thank social media for that, but it's not really social media. It's mom and dad. You've allowed that. You put a, uh, an iPad in front of your kids so that they don't act up at dinner. But, uh, you know, and, and they, it, so maybe you can have a conversation with your significant other. But, you know, you're really missing the point. Uh, I think we need to go old school. I think we need to have three or four. And it's not always possible. Three or four dinners together as a family. That's why we have vision night at least once a month where we're all together and we've had a person on the show that's applied vision night. But I think having uh, breaking bread together as a family, uh, saying a prayer or not, that's obviously anybody's option. But having a genuine conversation uh, with interaction about things that matter to the family. So are you saying that the 90 second rule uh, where being in, just immersed in the moment, it can also be with your child at that table, you know, take the devices away from your kid and teach your kid. Well, that applies to you too, Cece. You know, right. you, you not only take the devices away, but how many parents are, you know, put the cell phone on the table? 
And 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 we look at it. You know, we get a text. We look at it. If it's not a big deal, we blow it I off. I mean, that's really important to me because I have this conversation with my girlfriends all the time. And, you know, it's just this push and tug with our children that should we give them the device or shouldn't we give them the device? Well, you're the mom and dad. Uh, you, you know, my my take on that is I'm not trying to be my kid's friend. Uh, I'm your dad. So the answer is no. No so they're never phones. too young to have a blueprint is what you're saying for your children. They're never too young to start them with a blueprint for what you want. Well, I think we need to start our kids with their own blueprint. Uh, I know uh, I've had this discussion again with my daughter. She had a blueprint growing up. The blueprint for her was real simple. Become a world-class decision maker. So, so when she's 18, <clears throat> you're going to leave the house. You're not going to live in the basement of Jim Fannin's house. Uh, when you're 40, that's not going to happen, <laughs> well. I, I hope. <laughs> and I mean, you know, if I need to, maybe, but maybe for a oh, month. Oh, some parents are listening <laughs> to you now saying, no, okay. No, it's not going to happen. And uh, I, I, I did everything with her mom to uh, make sure that she was a world-class decision maker. Mm -hmm. And we let her fail. But the cell phone, no. Now, no, there's no cell phone at dinner. It's not going to happen. But that included me. No cell phone for me, mom. Uh, kids, uh, I, I would bar the cell phone at dinner and uh, interact, communicate. How many parents, now I'm, I'm asking this to everybody listening, how many parents have woken up with a teenager in your house and you have no clue who they are, <laughs> what they're doing? I mean, I literally took the door off of my teenage daughter's room and she flipped out. She went crazy and I go, it's my house and there's no door. I'm sorry. Well, the good thing is now it's you're, it's never too young to start them with the score system and having a blueprint. That that That's important to me because I was always wondering how old should we start them? And uh, just just having a, a, a blueprint for for li their little life growing up. So that's well, some very I, good I, information. I think, I think as parents, if, if we just talk parents real quickly. Um, teach your child self-discipline. Now, if I'm disciplining my kids in their life by having them programmed how I want them to be programmed, you're taking karate, and then you're going to take ballet, and then you're taking this and that, and, and everything is organized. Am I really teaching self-discipline? No, I'm, I'm giving my kid no choices. And, and so I think I can make choices available, but I need to let my son or daughter make those choices. You're trying to train self-discipline so that at 18, uh, they're only as good as what they think when I'm not there. Concentration. How many times do we break our kids' concentration? Mm -hmm. I have parents do this all the time before a sporting event or a music recital something where they need oh, to God, perform. I've, I've broken that big and, time. My relaxation is not there when those things Yeah, <laughs> mom and dad, they're freaked out because they got their ego involved in the performance <laughs> of the kid. So if they fail, the, the brand of the family has failed and you're embarrassed. And you're so you start giving your kids so much instruction. Oh my gosh, that's that, me. That is and me. And now we're, we're back to too many balls in the air. Now they don't focus. Now we're pissed. Yeah. Now we're frustrated. And um, we need to let them fail. And we need to let them learn to find their own routines on how to get into that zone state uh, on their own. 
turn your kids into world-class decision makers. And I think that's a big challenge today because right now the peer group is taking over parenting. The peer group decides what to say, how to say it, what to wear, when to wear it, what to listen to music-wise, and it's deciding everything socially about the kid. And so mom and dads are almost in a battle with the peer group. So it's not too late right now, but you you really need to get your child to be an independent thinker. And I'll make this one more statement. Again, your kid's only as good as what they think when you're not there. Your role is to turn them into a world-class thinker and a decision maker. That should be part of the initial blueprint, no matter how young your kid is. And this is something I've mentioned you know, on the Jim Fannin show before. I've, I've been able to teach college classes, college classes here and there, and he got to do it at a pretty young age, right? Mm-hmm. So I was 29. I had 25 and 27-year-old students who clearly had not reached adulthood. Uh, and so oh you want to remember that, uh, you I'm know, I'm 68 mean, <laughs> and I have friends that I question the same thing, actually. Well, just wherever your kids are at, you want to remember you are raising adults and, you know, these decisions that you make or don't make are going to echo into their 20s, 30s, you know, 40s and, and beyond. And, you know, you said that the blueprint for your daughter was to be a world class decision maker at 18 and be able to step out in the world. Right. It was. And if that's, you know, not a goal. Don't be surprised when you're helping them with their homework and when they're 25 after they've gone back to school, which is not a position any parent or any child should be in. Oh, come on. How many parents right now? I mean, you you know, you've written a paper for your kid. You've done the mom, I'm too tired. Can you help me with my homework? No, not help me. Can you do my homework? There's a lot of parents. So. That have done the homework your, for their kids. So, Jim, at your recent uh, speech you gave uh, in San Francisco, you said something really profound that really stayed with me. You said that if your child's bedroom or he's a slob uh, in his early age, he will probably be a slob if he doesn't have a blueprint when he's older. So if, if that never changes, can you, you go into that a well, little? Because uh, I remembered that and I did have a friend that. You know, he you know, he was a slob and and even in life, his desk was always dirty. But, you know, he was a professional man and he he made it. But his desk still looked like it did, you know, in school. Well, that comes back to self-discipline. That That's why every kid should clean their own room and make their bed. Yeah, but mom, I'm just going to mess it up again. Why do I need to make it up? Nobody's coming into my room. No, you're making your bed, period. And, and the, it's a proven fact, uh, even scientifically, I call these seeables. If you walk into a hotel room, for example, and it was all messed up, you'd freak out. You'd, that's a seeable. <laughs> what are you kidding me? You, you didn't clean the toilets and the beds I made. But when you walk into a hotel room, or if you had a cleaning lady that cleaned your house, or if you made your own bed and you come back from a long vacation, but you made your bed before you left, you feel better about that. Uh, if you clean your uh, bathroom and it's not messy, you're going to look at that bathroom sink twice a day. Train your children, clean their bathroom, clean their bedroom, and organize their own stuff. And 
If they don't, there needs to be consequences. And some have to share a bathroom. Just remember that. Well, that's even. <laughs> Everybody well, don't have their own bathroom. <laughs> they don't have their own bathroom. And sharing it, well, that makes it even more important. That you know, that's so all my the, listeners out there that probably have to share well, a bathroom. Well, I think you're in a family of seven. So yeah, that, exactly. That, that must, I'm like, where's that one? <laughs> where's my only bathroom at when I was coming up as a kid? That never happened. I'm sure you bogarted the bathroom a lot <laughs> when you were uh, putting on makeup and stuff. And then when it was time to <laughs> clean the bathroom, nobody wanted to clean the bathroom. So I just have to throw that caveat to you right there. No, no, I think you're right. I think that's a great point. Uh, Again, this is all about having a plan, but it's also about self-discipline. Let's get back to uh, one more thing. Are you really thankful for what you have? (laughs) You know, we're talking about all kinds of stuff that we'd like to change in our life to on a pathway to be our genuine best self. But are you really thankful today? And will you be thankful tomorrow and the next day? And what are you thankful for? Uh, make a list this season, not, not just today, for what you're truly thankful. Make one list about everything that you're thankful. What, what is your gratitude? Your health, your career, your home, your friends, your family. What are you really thankful for? And then make another list of people that you're thankful to know. I think a lot of people make that gratitude list of what you're thankful for. I think a lot of us have done that. But have you made a list of people that you're really thankful to know? And do you share that you're thankful to know them on a regular basis? A note, an act of kindness. Uh, a pat on the back for something that they did well. Um, this is really showcasing thankfulness. And I, I promise you, it's a mental psychological boomerang. You send that out, it's going to come back tenfold to you. And especially a day like Thanksgiving, um, wouldn't it be nice if we had Thanksgiving mindset every single day, 365 days a year? Why does it have to be just on one day? During one meal, the one time we're with our family. And even even then, we're not always thankful. We're just glad we're having turkey. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I go through that list of people I'm thankful to know, I think of people that maybe I see them twice a year, maybe I see them every week, but I walk away, man, just feeling 10 feet tall. And okay, I'm already 60, so that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little, little, little less than some people. But, you know... As I think about those people that I'm thankful for, I also want to be that for others. Mm-hmm. Like the person who, as you all right before we did the show, man, I'm two levels above awesome. <laughs> like when you are, are well, I blew the lady away. The lady got on the phone. She didn't want to tase you. I, 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 yeah, she probably wanted to come through the phone and tase me. Uh, yeah, it really stopped her in her tracks, changed the whole dynamic of the call. She called in, someone introduced us. We'd never met by phone or. Uh, or email, but someone introduced us and, um, uh, you know, without us being in contact. So that was my first uh, uh, meeting with her. And she said, how are you? And I said, I'm two levels above awesome. And she started laughing and it just changed the dynamic. I gave her a little bit of positivity. It was free. Well, on a lighter note, it was free. On a lighter note, I'm thankful that I can have this food and I could eat whatever I want on this one day and 
basically, you know, the dessert and all the days that I had to be in the zone to not eat it. I'm just thankful that I can have a great meal with friends and family and, you know, give thanks back out to everybody. You know, you know Stacey, you just said something that, that is actually <laughs> profound. You're thankful that you could be in the zone. And right now, the zone, this purposeful, calm feeling where nothing can go wrong, where it's not about the future or the past, but you're very happy to be where you are right now at that time, that's in you right this second. That zone ability is real, and your whole body chemistry changes. Everybody listening can get into this zone state. Be thankful for mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the condition, it doesn't matter. I can still get in the zone to meet those challenges. And you can eat pie in the zone, too. I can eat <laughs> way too much pie in the zone. I'm not sure I'll be in the zone tomorrow. Uh, eat it today, wear it tomorrow. So be, be careful in how much you're eating. But you got to be thankful for what you have. I think let's go ahead and get into one of my favorite parts of the Jim Fannin show. Ask Jim at jimfannin.com. Ask Jim at jimfannin.com. You have access to the same coaching that world-class entertainers, athletes, and truly titans of business and industry have used to completely change their lives. Thanksgiving theme here, okay? This is interesting. How do I keep the stress on my husband's difficult extended family from spilling into the other areas of my life? around Thanksgiving. I'm trying to have a positive attitude, but I know I'm going into a couple of very long days with what you call score breakers on the show. <laughs> oh wow. That, that's what a uh, tough question. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, it's not about you. It's not really about you. Uh, every person, as I said earlier, has unhappy moments. And most of us that un have unhappy moments we like to dump them on the doorstep of other people. And, and I, I'm going to pass my challenge on to you. I'm going to vent. I'm going to tell you how my life sucks. And I'm going <laughs> to give it to you to let you ponder it and chew on it. And now I feel a lot better. I'll see you later, Seth. And you're stuck <laughs> with the dump that I just put on your front door. And I walk away going, I feel great. And that's going to happen at Thanksgiving. There's going to be people coming into your house you haven't seen all year. And maybe you've talked to them on the phone. They're going to dump their challenges on your doorstep. It's not about you. And I, I think we need to immunize ourselves against these potential score breakers. Those thoughts, those actions that take you off of being self-disciplined, that take you off of being focused, that block you from being confident or shake your confidence, or stress you out, and I, I, or, or cause you not to have fun. But the person that asks the question, they've already set themselves up. They're saying what they don't want. You're saying a Thanksgiving that's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Aunt Betty, she, oh, God, I, I'm, I'm going to strangle her as soon as we finish dinner. So that person's setting themselves up with a negative. Uh, you're already thinking about what you don't want. And you're probably going to manifest that into its reality. I think a better thing would be, I'm going to have a thankful Thanksgiving 
I'm going to share the quan, share the love. I'm going to look at everybody and I'm going to hug them. And no matter what they dump on me, it's not going to impregnate my mind with their negativity. It's not going to happen. Well, I would like to give a little uh, tip from what I've learned from you. Uh, What I do with uh, score breakers, usually if they come up and they give me like a really sad story or something, not something that's, you know, if it's a death in a family, of course, I'm going to mirror that like you teach us to do and you be there for them at that moment. But when it's just something like, you know, gossipy or or just someone having a bad day and want to bring your day down, always let them say a little but then I turn it back around on them and go, okay, now that you're giving me the bad, let, let me hear what's good going on in your life. And usually that kind of helps them go into something that they're proud to talk about and it kind of changes the mood. So you taught me, you know, in situations to do it that way. So that's the tip I will give this this uh, questioner for you just from my end. That, that, that's a that's great way. The, the classic reversal, you know, <laughs> so they drop a negative and you reverse it and come back and go, so give me it a works. Po- you, it you, works. You're changing their mindset. Give me, give me a positive. Um, Let's go ahead and jump into the book. You can pre-order it right now, Amazon.com, and I believe it may be available. Is it available at other locations uh, right to now, pre-order? Just on Amazon. Just on I mean, Amazon. But you can okay. go to jimfannon.com. The link will take you right to Amazon. Want to go ahead and and grab another chapter from the book here. Again, the blueprint, Jim Fannin, you can uh, search for it on Amazon.com right now. On this Thanksgiving, getting into chapter six, who are the key people in your life? These are the people that uh, can, can and do impact our decisions on a daily basis. Most of us have anywhere from 10 to 50 key people who directly or indirectly influence or manipulate how we think, dress, act, speak, and even manage our money. I'm going to read a little bit more, but let me just have you jump in there for a minute. 10 to 50, who are these people um, outside of obviously close coworkers and family? How do we fill out the rest of that, that, that number there? Well, if you look in each arena of your life, uh, it could be a stockbroker in your personal finance. It could be a financial advisor. It could be your significant other who's joined you in this personal finance side. Uh, but those could be key people. Uh, if you have an illness, a, a doctor, could be a key person. That's a person you don't talk to every day, um, but it is a key person at this aspect in this time of your life. Uh, a sibling, these are key people. Uh, your children, those are key people. So it is your immediate family. And, and then go to your workspace, and it, it could definitely be a boss. It could be a, a co-worker. It could be your direct reports who you want them to follow your blueprint, and they don't always do that. And when you pull back away from all that, well, there'll be anywhere from 10 to 50 uh, people that can do two things. One, they can influence you in a positive way and inspire you to be your best uh, and talk about the positives. Or they can be manipulators. They've got their own agenda. Unfortunately, some have hidden agendas that they don't even know they have. And a manipulator is win-lose. They want to win. They can dump off their negatives. They don't care if you lose or not. Those are manipulators. So you need to look at the 10 to 50 people in your life. And um, do you have this inner circle 
that's going to help you be your genuine, authentic best self. Now, you can't get rid of your mom, <laughs> right? Can't get rid of your kids, uh, but those do influence you. And, um, but you can change how they think. And you can also mentally immunize yourself from their negative ways while you're helping them be positive. Uh, make sure they get a link to the Jim Fannin show, you know, get them on the page of <laughs> yeah, positivity. Yeah, everybody should be listening well, to the show. Well, just get them on the page of positivity, no matter what it is. But you need to be aware of your inner circle. And maybe you need to add some people. Maybe you need to delete some people. I mean, right now, how many people listening have a friend that just keeps dumping stuff on you? Oh, about me. About her bad marriage <laughs> or, or relate. Yes, yeah, Cece, you've got uh, people that they just dump because you're a great listener, Cece. So, you know, they're going to come in and uh, help me solve my challenges. Well, I haven't always been a great listener, but um, you're right. I do try to listen because, again, having a blueprint and having a way to live your life in a, you know, simplicity type of way, you, you want to make everyone else feel your comfort. And that's what your program taught me. And that's why I have opened up to listening a lot more because you're right. It's not about me. Well, I, I'll tell you when you, you violate uh, this sphere of influence is when someone gossips, talks about a rumor, and then you spread it yourself, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I've done this and this stymies uh, my friends, they'll tell you can't believe well, what Well, that's happened. Hollywood. What are you going to what are you, you going to do? That's Hollywood. Well, it's Hollywood, <laughs> but it doesn't need to impact my personal life, you know? And and we can all read people magazine. Hollywood makes big money uh, they spreading do make rumors big like money, that. but that need doesn't need to come home with my personal thoughts. That's, that's the bottom line. Personally not a business I, I want to be in. <laughs> I, I I refuse. I mean, when someone's giving me gossip, I've even told them, "I don't know why you're telling me this. I'm not going to tell anyone. What do you want me to do with this information?" What do you want me to do with it? Well, most people, you know, usually do. it's just I, I'd like to have a conversation and, you know, talking about politics that, you know, that's big right now. Talking about uh, uh, all kinds of things in the news, but spreading that. Yeah, but just remember, gonna, people do like to, you know, vicariously live off of people's like demise and yeah, but things now, that are going on in their life. Oh, uh, the Joneses are not doing well. That's a good thing for me. You know, you know they never cut their grass. <laughs> I don't know what's going on down there, but they don't really care about their yard and it's devaluing the neighborhood. You know, you got to make up your mind. You're either one of three people. You they got, need to get the blueprint. Well, you got to decide who's <laughs> driving your own personal car on this road of life. Is it the victim Oh, God, you can't believe what happened to me. Really? That's a victim talking, a victim of the circumstance, a victim of the condition. And if I'm a victim, I want you to be a victim with me because we misery loves company. Or am I a judge, judging the neighbors down the street, uh, judging other parents? Uh, am I a judge or am I a champion who's driving the car and a champion and all these teams and we can take the Houston Astros that just won the world world championship. The I wanted coach, LA. I wanted LA. Well, keep going. On both of those championship teams, and they were both championship teams. Either one. I also went to the Cubs, by the way. Uh, well, those are three championship teams. But I promise you, if you go in the locker room of the teams that are perpetually winning, there's no victim and no judge. 
And when that crops up, usually it's the coach that deals with it. You know, the Chicago Bulls are having that right now. One player knocks out literally another player in practice. He gets suspended for eight games. There's no sense for me getting into this, but this happens in families. Now the player that got knocked out, got a concussion, had facial, I don't know if he had reconstruction or not. He doesn't want to be in the lineup at the same time with this player. And that happens with families. It happens with teams. And those things could have been. And it happens with businesses because, you know. It definitely happens with businesses. But that's leadership. Yeah, I was going to say, by the time somebody's punching somebody else, (laughs) you're way past, you're you're way off the blueprint, right? Like, you're way past. Well, here's another thing. Anger is never the first emotion. I mean, if you get really pissed off and get angry and start, you know, throwing pots and pans in the kitchen, uh, you failed because you didn't pay attention to your impatience, uh, your embarrassment, your jealousy. Uh, your frustration, those are the emotions that happen first that many of us don't, we're not aware of. And that negative energy eventually will turn into anger. So if you have an anger challenge right now and you're going into Thanksgiving with alcohol involved, which is not good for an angry person. So are you saying when your husband keeps the remote control and he controls it, I shouldn't get angry? Wow, that's a great question. I've experienced that. Uh, I'll I'll tell you, uh, uh, one of my greatest accomplishments in my life, this is so minor, but it was a major accomplishment. My significant other bogarts the remote control, okay? And she has a tendency, once she gets control of it, to zip through the guide very fast. (laughs) She'll stop for two seconds, look at a program, and instantly I'm attracted to the program. I'm in. I'm ready. Click it. Let's go. I want to get. And then she moves off to something else. And I'm like, you got to be Are you saying me. you need a blueprint now for the remote control? What I've done, I, I do need a blueprint <laughs> and I've used the What I've done is use the remote. I relax and lower my breathing to six to eight and really don't care what we watch because I care more about how she feels and how we interact than I do watching a program. But how many of us get upset, get angry? Over something so small like the remote. A lot of people. A lot of people. Including me. (laughs) Well, uh, Cece, we need to turn you into a champion. I think that's something you need to work on. And and I think you will. Well, that's a small detail. But um, I like to throw that out to you because the average person listening right now is probably thinking the same thing that I just got mad at my significant other over remote control. How does that work? And it took my breathing from six to eight to over 20. I felt my chest tighten up. And maybe I screamed and yelled, anger is never the first emotion. We're all awake, Cece, but we're not all aware. We need to heighten our awareness. You know, once you have a blueprint, heighten your awareness. How's my self-discipline? How is my concentration? Am I here now or am I mentally somewhere else? How's my optimism? Right now, do a little score check. How's my relaxation? Uh, do, am I starting to feel myself tense up? Right now, I need to be in touch with those feelings. And am I having fun right now? Anger is never the first emotion. Be aware of your score level 
And you're often running to have a, a life of simplicity, balance, but even more important, you know, Seth, Cece, you're off to having a genuine, authentic, best self. Well, just remember, I have an my daughter is an only child. And, you know, I found that for some reason, there's a selfishness that I never taught her in her. And I truly believe it's because she is an only child and she never had to share with anybody. So I think this is something that a lot of children that are only children come up with. And if you can kind of go into why that is that our children that are only children don't do as well with sharing and, and, you know, information like that, because I, you know, I came from five, you know, a big family and I, that was part of, you know, everything I did in life was I had to share, even if I didn't want to. So growing up, I became I, someone I, I'm, that I'm, shared. I'm actually an expert because I'm an only child <laughs> and, and, and I've raised an only child. And I will tell you that my biggest challenge growing up, my parents loved me, even though we we're dirt, literally dirt poor. And I could do no wrong. Uh, I could put an ax in someone's forehead and my mom would go, <laughs> oh my God. he didn't do it. He's a good person, but it, there's his fingerprints are on the ax handle. Uh, that can't be my kid. I was never out in little league, by the way, I was always safe according to my mother. <laughs> but the challenge was I had expectations that everything would always be awesome. And when I didn't meet those expectations, I got frustrated and that caused me to lose matches even on the professional tour, when my expectations were not met, uh, I had an internal crisis and I would try too hard and I would force the action and I'd walk out of there losing to someone maybe even inferior to me. That's probably one of the biggest challenges that a, an only child has. But if the parents doesn't make the kid the center of the universe, the world's greatest human, no matter what you do, and helps them with self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation, and enjoyment, and holds them accountable and responsible, which my mom and dad later did, um, I, I think uh, an only child can get over that. I really, really. thought that self-discipline helped her get out of that selfishness. And um, I believe it will help other kids too that are only children because when they're, they're, they're confident and, and, you know, they have uh, self-confidence, I, I believe it's easier for them to, you know, give and, and well, it, open it, their eyes to other people around them. I, I think it's, it's just extremely important. This comes important. full circle, Cece, to what you said earlier about uh, being disciplined at age five, six, and yes. seven. Uh, you're going to be more likely to be disciplined at 45, 46, 47. And if you have a propensity to always be late when you're five and six, oh, well, you know, that's just Cece. She's always late. And your mom labels you as always being late. You get a comfortable that, well, okay, I'm late. And the next thing you know, you're late for your first job and, and you're late to running a business meeting. Can you change that? And you reinvent that. And I think you can. So part of this blueprint is not just to set, I want to make a million dollars or I, I want to move to uh, a warmer climate with a be bigger, better house. Part of the blueprint is I want to be a better listener. Uh, I want to be more disciplined in my, with my body and my food intake. So there's small things that really will 
add up to big things uh, once you put this blueprint and decide what you yeah, want to back, accomplish. Uh, years ago, and I'll, I'll you know give you this little tab uh, tidbit. Basically, in sales, I found that you know having some type of blueprint and listening to what the other clients were saying to me when I was trying to sell them the product, it really helped my sales because I I got to understand what they actually were looking for and what their bottom line was for them not to buy it. And that gave me my rebuttal to go in and, and, and close that client. So I truly believe that listening on a high level and, and having just that, understanding is is going to make a big difference if you're in sales. Well, you know, that, let, let's talk about that. I, I just had a client, I want to have him on, who uh, has a dealership, our automo dealership, and uh, has several actually in Louisiana. And he is the son to the owner. So he, he's an owner and he's uh, had the training and had the upbringing and he's in his late 20s. And uh, he's in charge of uh, used car sales. Uh, at this moment, he'll eventually be the dealer and the general manager of the whole place. And um, one of the managers quit, and it was a brutal breakup. And and then another manager quit, and now sales are dropping. He's concerned, and he just reversed this just by changing his attitude because his initial reaction was to be a victim of these two guys quitting at a crucial time in the month. Then he became a judge, judging them. And it was all about the them, and he got off of really what he does for a living. He doesn't sell cars. He motivates people to improve their quality of transportation at a price they can afford. And I reminded him of that in 24 hours. 24 hours. He reversed this negative and they had the best weekend by far of one year ago, the exact same time frame, with two managers gone and seeming chaos in the dealership. And he did it by changing attitude, changing his mindset swiftly. And there are certain careers you don't want to you don't want to be panicked in. Um, emergency room workers would be one. Man, sales would be the other because as soon as your, your breaths go up, uh, you know, because moment by moment, the sales process is so crucial. Like I've been in sales and I, I've taught, you know, college and I, I've been an entrepreneur and I'm broadcasting. And in the classroom, there's a little more room for forgiveness because I can have a bad 15 minute spat and I can, you know, get back on track. If you are in sales, man, you got to get your breaths down. <laughs> you, you can't have a bad 15 minutes. Or that person's off the line. Well, I, and I think the key to sales is it, it's not about the no's. It's only about the yeses. And, and it's all about what do these people think when I leave this, the presentation? What do you want them to think about you and about your service or your, or your product? But the one thing I've learned about the zone, it's contagious. And that brings us right back to Thanksgiving. Be thankful that you have the ability today, right now, to impact the dinner that you might be having for Thanksgiving, that you can impact in a positive win-win way other people. And if you can be in the zone in your own personal life, it's contagious. And one person in the zone gets another in the zone and another in the zone. 
you get 10, 15, 20 people in a company or on an athletic team in the zone, that's how you win championships. And that makes you an integral part of something greater than yourself. So here's the challenge. Can you get your family, very diverse, coming from different parts of the country, they have different vocations, they have different lifestyle. Can you get the family in the zone? Of course, there's one person that's not in the zone ever. You know who that is. It's the turkeys. Can you imagine <laughs> being the turkey? So uh, I- I'm hoping everyone has a thanksgiving. Giving thanks. We're going to swing by the Zone Cafe. Of course, this is the holiday episode. So S-C-O-R-E. I think almost everybody's going to be going for some R or some E. But we should still hit on every single piece because you can come back to the Zone Cafe every day and grab another piece of what you need uh, to get into the zone and to continue to execute the blueprint of your life. Well, Cece, uh, you and Seth are in a car and you pulled up to the Zone Cafe drive-up window. Uh, You can't dine in. You can only dine out. So you get to pick off the menu. And today uh, we have a holiday menu, but it's still only five items. You can have a heaping plate. I'm talking heaping plate of self-discipline. That's a willingness, a commitment to stay with tasks that reaches well-defined goals that take you to a vision in your life. You can order that. That'll give you the blueprint that you need. Or, Cece, maybe you need concentration. Uh, You have a blueprint, but I need to concentrate on those tasks and on those goals that's going to lead to that blueprint being manifested. So we got a big bucket of concentration. You can drive away with a bucket of focus if you need. But maybe, Seth, maybe this week, maybe you need some optimism. And uh, we have a barrel today because it's Thanksgiving. We're abundant with optimism. That's belief, expectancy. That blueprint will be manifested. And you have confidence. You have trust that what you're doing is accurate. You can order that. Or maybe you get a giant drink that's so refreshing, a relaxation, calm, cool, peaceful, free from worry, free from anxiety. As soon as you drink that drink, you're going to feel that purposeful calmness come over you. Maybe you need to order that extra drink of relaxation, but maybe either one of you needs a giant bag of enjoyment, pleasure fun, excitement, passion for executing the blueprint that leads you to being your genuine, authentic best self. Drive up, Seth. You're at the window. May I take your order, please? I'm going to take the enjoyment. We've got two traditions in my family that are kind of unique. One of my cousins plays professional poker on TV. And so there's always, you know, kind of a big just for fun family poker game. And then there's a late night bowling session uh, that has gone since we were kids. And now we're adults. And I need to be like a turkey. The only time of the year I go bowling, but I, I uh, love bowling on Thanksgiving. Is this after turkey and alcohol? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not, you know, max performance bowling by any means. Oh, I understand. Well, that's enjoyable. Cece, pull up to the uh, Zone Cafe. Uh, place your order. What do you What do you want? Oh, um, and you can come back later and get something else. But of right course, now. hint, hint, I'm going to have a glass of relaxation. <laughs> and I'm not going to say Cabernet. But anyway, you know, I found <laughs> that, you know, I'm so. I thought you were a champagne drinker. <laughs> well, I, I'm so just 
entrenched in what I've been doing from business to, you know, the different uh, goals that I have set. And I just can't relax when I need to relax around family and friends. You know, this is a time to relax. It's the holidays. So I, I, I promised you that would do me well to just learn how to relax a little more. And uh, a, a glass of that won't help or two or three. You know, Cece, uh, if I can give you just one little uh, little side note with that glass of relaxation, <laughs> be aware of your breathing. And if you get into the stressful situation, your breathing per minute will climb. If you're aware of it, that'll fix it 90% of the time. So periodically uh, throughout today and, and throughout the rest of the week, check your relaxation level. Am I peaceful? Am I calm? But literally check your breathing. Uh, the average person, again, has 15, 17 breaths a minute. When you're stressed, it goes past 20. And when it goes past 20, uh, all, all, uh, all things can uh, break loose, not in your favor. Well, what do you need? What do you need right now in your life? What's the missing link in you being your genuine, authentic best self? Do you need self-discipline, concentration? Optimism, relaxation, enjoyment. Now, as your thoughtometrist, I'm wishing you today a 2020 vision for your future. And I want you to let your gratitude, your thankfulness pave the way to what you want in your life. So with a heartfelt from the Jim Fannin Show, I'm saying thanks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Thanks for everything. Danke. Thank heavens, thank goodness, thanks a bunch, thank my lucky stars, and thanks a ton for tuning in to the Jim Fannin Show. Have a great Thanksgiving, and have an awesome month of November. Until next week, Seth, Cece. Let's stay in the zone. And remember, you can always follow Jim at Facebook, Twitter, and you can go to his website at jimfannon.com. You also can pre-order the newest blueprint that we talked about today on the show at amazon.com. Have a great Thanksgiving. Bye, everybody. Until next week, be in the zone. Radio Influence brings you the absolute best in digital audio broadcasting. We've got something for everyone. Sports personalities like the fabulous sports babe, Rich Herrera, and former Major League Baseball manager Kevin Kennedy as they take you inside the dugout. We'll take you inside the world of MMA with the MMA Report with Jason Floyd, the MMA Insiders, and the Valor Hour with Tim Loy and Casey Oxidai. Or you could find yourself sitting ringside with wrestling ring announcer David Penzer. TV law enforcement analyst and former police officer Vincent Hill breaks down this week's biggest crime stories and takes you beyond the badge. Chef Brian Duffy from TV's Bar Rescue shares his crazy life on the road with Duffified Live. And Scott Ledger will always make you think with some dangerous conversation. All of Radio Influence's shows can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 